0: How many of you uh, saw the weather that moved through southeastern Minnesota this last week? Uh, I'm getting reports from people that live in the town where I served before coming here that they had like 18 inches of snow. And they didn't want me to tell them about the weather here in Albuquerque. Um, It was about this time, uh, 19 years ago that the appointed call committee of this church was in communication with many pastoral candidates. One of them was a, a young pastor named Bruce Wilder in Austin, Minnesota. And I'll never forget uh, when the phone call came asking if I was interested. And this is my confession to you, my sin of pride. I, uh, I was proudful that I never invested in a snowblower the entire time I lived in Minnesota. If I couldn't do it by hand by shovel, then I couldn't even call myself a man. See, that was my pride. And the day the phone call came, we had had our third winter storm move through, and I was now stacking the snow as high as I could reach with the shovel. And when the phone call came, that wall of snow on the south side of our driveway had just collapsed on me. I'm standing there with snow up to my waist, and Kirsten says, it's someone from New Mexico. (laughs) Now, the thought of our climate over against that climate was indeed attractive, but I want to tell you it wasn't just the weather or the beauty of the high desert. It was um, really just kind of falling, falling in love with what God was doing here with, with this congregation. And it's hard for Kirsten and me to believe that we're fast approaching you know, 19 years of uh, making New Mexico our home. And I'm uh, to this day honored and blessed uh, to be your pastor, and I thank you for the privilege. Shortly after we arrived here in New Mexico, I learned many things Um, the first two weeks My my cuticles were so cracked, my hands were so dry, my lips were so chapped, I wondered what we had done in this dry climate. But over time, you taught me, drink more water. Uh, Have you ever heard of chapstick? How about some hand lotion? And within, you know, a matter of weeks, I had adjusted. And it's no longer a problem. But I learned a lot of things about life here over against life there. I learned that hunting would be very different here. At least the way I hunt. You see, back in Minnesota, You leave your house, and if you're lucky enough, you got a cabin up north, and you spend the day hunting. And then you're back to the house, to the cabin, right after sunset for a delicious meal on a stove, a hot shower, and a warm bed. Well, hunting the way I do it here in the land of enchantment is decidedly different. You need a good tent. You need an equally good sleeping bag. And you don't come home at night. You're gone for three, four, five, six days. Whatever food you plan to eat, you carry. Same with the water. I've hunted in the Guadalupe Mountains down south when it was hot and dry, over 100 degrees. I went on a hunting trip to Mount Taylor when the forecast was two inches of snow that wound up being 24 inches. I've hunted up north by the Colorado border. Whether weather can change literally in an instant and storms can make you feel like you're in the middle of an earthquake as the ground shakes. I learned a lot of things the hard way. A nylon tent from Target won't do. Don't ask me how I know this. I'll simply say hypothermia. I learned, like I've learned so many things in life, the hard way that I needed a real tent. So I did my research. I got one that was made of Hydra Shield Marine Grade Canvas, a bonafide four-season tent. And the one that I finally purchased is called—this is a great name—the Kodiak. Isn't that a great name? Makes a makes a guy feel manly just saying it, Kodiak. Uh, I know a man in this congregation who has a tent uh, that is called by the manufacturers the Prairie Breeze. We try not to laugh. My tent shows signs of wear and tear. It's not clean. It's not perfect the way it was when I first took it out of the box when UPS delivered it. There are tears in it. There are tears, or the high winds uh, ripped out some seams. And you know, I'm not a great seamstress, but I tried to repair it, and those repairs now look like, you know scars. There are stains on my Kodiak from all the rain and all the mud. And some of the tent poles um, became bent. I did my best to fix them with duct tape. Some had to be replaced. I, I took good care of that tent. I still got it, making sure to set it up properly and put it away properly after every use. But you see, I know that my Kodiak, my mighty, manly tent, will not last forever. The owner's manual did not say, With proper care and storage, this Kodiak tent will last forever. Instead, it reads, With proper care and storage, this Kodiak tent will provide years of enjoyment. (laughs) And it has. Why am I talking about tents this morning? I think you know. Paul was talking about tents in his letter to the Christians in Corinth, at least in that portion. He writes, and you heard it as... Art read it. We know that if the earthly, earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling. If you have your Bibles and don't mind looking, or you can just trust me. (laughs) In the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 14, there are many different faithful translations of this passage. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's what most of us know from youth. Other equally faithful translations are, so the word became human and made his home among us. Or, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Or, the word became flesh and lived among us. Another version reads, and the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. And the original word is Tabernacle. Tabernacle. Remember God's tabernacling presence in the tent for the people of Israel? In John's gospel, the word became flesh and tabernacled. It, Jesus, the word, pitched a tent <laughs> and moved into the neighborhood. In other words, Jesus, the word of God, eternal, became one of us, a human. God took on humanity. And in this beautiful imagery that the people of Israel would have appreciated, he, he came in. Pitched a tent right here among us, all all of us. And that tent was his body, conceived in the womb of Mary. That same tent, that same body that would be nailed to a cross for your sins and my own. It's that same word tabernacle that is used by Paul in our lesson today from Corinthians. Jesus pitched his tent among us in real human flesh and we have these tents, this flesh, these bodies of ours, sometimes called the temple in which the Holy Spirit dwells. And here's the deal, just like my Kodiak tent, these tents of ours, oh, they show some signs of wear and tear, don't they? They eventually wear out. We are not smooth-skinned and soft like the day we were born. Not one of us. We've seen some wear and tear. Some of us have scars. Big ones. Some scars are not visible to the neighbor. But we've all got them. And just as my tent poles had to be replaced the skeletal structure of my tent, if you will. Some of us have already had our knees and hips replaced. (laughs) Our tents, our tabernacles, they don't last forever, do they? Oh, with proper care, they can provide years of enjoyment. (laughs) 80 or 90 if you're lucky, but not forever. So every year about this time, and it's going to happen again this week on Wednesday, we hear some familiar words. Remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. In other words, remember that your tent is created. You are creature, not creator. You are certainly God's beloved child, but you are not God, and neither am I." This coming Tuesday I will journey with the Buchanan family up to the Santa Fe National Cemetery where our own beloved Millie Buchanan, who died last week, will be laid to rest beside her husband who preceded her in death, and I will stand at the top of the hill at the National Cemetery and speak words that I have been speaking for 33 years and counting, earth-to-earth Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. You see, Millie's tent finally wore out Saturday a week ago when she breathed her last. But we have another dwelling place that will abide. Not these tents, these earthly bodies of ours, but our new bodies that we will receive on the day of resurrection when Jesus promises we and all the faithful will be raised to new life when creation is restored to God's original intent, to its former glory, perfection, and goodness. Now, Paul says some other things, even while these tense of hours are declining and wearing out. He speaks in the midst of that demise, if you will, Of this newness of creation that in Christ we are being transformed we are being renewed the dirt the stains the imperfections all the things we know that they will be left behind everything old is passing away this is this is the promise we hear in the book of Revelation death will be no more crying pain mourning will be no more those first things have passed away the one seated on the throne said look behold i'm making things new and that's what god is doing in your life right now even though your tents are wearing out and so is mine here's the good news the lord is renewing us in faith hope and love and the lord will make us perfectly new our tents included when he comes again in glory And he's already started preparing us for this new life. You see, Millie didn't begin her eternal life when she died. Her new life began when she was joined to Christ in his death and resurrection. The same is true for you and me. And God is already this side of heaven, preparing us for the new life that awaits us. When you're joined to Christ in faith, he cleanses you from every sin. When you are washed in the blood of Jesus, even the foulest is made clean. That means that God's already begun this work of newness. We're already new creations in Christ. The tints are declining, but we no longer regard one another from that human point of view. We see God at work in one another. We understand ourselves as servants of the living Lord. The old has passed away, no matter what your old may have been like. The new has come. And even though our tents will not last forever, we will. Eternal life begins when Jesus has his way with you. When the love of God takes up residence in your heart. And when you learn, as Paul reminds the Corinthian Christians and reminds us today when you learn in this process of renewal that we don't just live for ourselves we live for Christ and that brings us to a theme that may seem odd in the midst of a a reading of such promise and such hope that, that this theme of judgment paul reminds us that all will appear all will appear before the judgment seat of Christ. No one gets an out. The righteous, the unrighteous, the churchgoers, the non churchgoers, the rich and the poor. We will all appear before the judgment seat. The kingdom of Christ is a kingdom and is not a democracy. He is king of kings, lord of lords. We didn't vote him into office. We can't vote him out. He will judge us all, the living and the dead. All must appear. And what we've done and said or failed to do and say while in these tents will be judged. Christians need to remember, and a lot of pastors need to remember, that when speaking of judgment, we're actually talking about two judgments. And Paul hinted at that in our reading today. The first judgment is already in. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're already as good as dead, for the wages of sin is death. That judgment has been rendered. And that's why Jesus went to the cross. He died there for your sins and mine. We have been declared guilty of sin. And in his death, he atones for the sins of people like you and me and all who've ever lived and will live. So let's just remember, the first judgment has already been rendered, and the verdict is guilty. And God, in his mercy, died for guilty sinners like you and me. And there's a second judgment coming. Not when the Lamb of God is hanging on the cross with a crown of thorns, but when he's seated at the right hand of the Father on the throne of heaven. And even though we live and move and have our being in Christ and we are saturated with God's grace and mercy and love, our Father in heaven cares very much what we do with all this grace and all this mercy and this gift of forgiveness. What we have done with our life in Christ while in these tents, it matters. And we are accountable. Look again at verse 15 in our reading from 2 Corinthians. He died for all, so that those who live might live no longer for themselves, but for him who died and was raised for them. There are plenty of people living for themselves, and they're quite successful at it. Many of them make headlines. They're considered by the kingdom of this world to be the winners, the top dogs, the most successful but they'll be judged as we all will be judged. Did you live just for yourself or did you live for not just a higher power but for the living God? It's a question I ask of myself as I think of another week ahead of us, as I think of my life, knowing that this year I turned 60. How am I living? Am I living just for myself, or am I living for Jesus Christ, crucified and raised? And then we're reminded of this very beautiful image. And it's an image, I think, that speaks of grace and authority that's not ours. We are, in fact, ambassadors for Christ. Now, does an ambassador have authority in and of himself or herself? No. An ambassador has authority from the one represented. An ambassador represents another. An ambassador re-presents the higher authority, the one whom he or she serves. I don't deserve to be an ambassador for Christ, do you? And yet he tells you and he tells me, that this side of heaven, you, you represent my presence. You, you carry my message to the world of love and grace and judgment, to be sure. I want you to think and pray about that this week as we enter Lent. Have you been living? How does God want you to live? And remember that you've already been appointed a, We didn't qualify for this because of our resumes and our strong endorsements and personal references. You've already been appointed an ambassador for Christ right where you are, right where you are, wherever that is. How will you present, represent the God of love to those who cross your path? And we do that even while these tents are wearing out even while we know we are waiting for a greater glory and that promised day when we will not be naked, but fully clothed. So until we see the Savior face to face and stand before that judgment throne, my prayer is that we would serve him well and live for Jesus and be faithful ambassadors. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.